Good morning. If you have your Bible, I would encourage you to turn to Acts chapter 8, which is where we will be this morning. As you turn there, uh, just to give you a little bit of feedback here, this is going to be a little bit different than some of the other Sunday morning lessons that we've had for a number of reasons, but the main one being I'm preaching to an empty room. (laughs) So I'm sorry in advance if I'm laughing at my own jokes, but somebody's got to, right? (laughs) As we are faced with a world crisis, we've been thinking about and praying about ways that we can continue doing the work that the Lord has waited on our hearts while still being wise about how we are doing it. With the, the advancements in technology that we have, we are able to make recordings and share our messages with those around the world even. And God has really just laid on my heart this passage of Scripture that I want to share with you this morning. So if you've got your place in Acts chapter 8, I'll begin in verse 1 and read the chapter all the way through. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church, and entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They paid attention to him, from the least to the greatest, saying that this man has the power of God that is called great. They paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip, and seeing great signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed." Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on him, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought that you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray to the Lord for me, that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many of the villages of the Samaritans. 
Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and he went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you were reading? And he said, how can I unless somebody guides me? He invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his, humili- in his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom do I ask, does this prophet say? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And they were going along the road, and when they came to some water, the eunuch said, See, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. They both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. When he came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. God, thank you for your word. What a powerful tool of instruction it is, Father. I pray that this morning that you would direct the conversations, that you would let your spirit speak through me. Not my words, Father, but your own. Lord, show us what you want to show us this morning. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. A few weeks ago, if you were here with us, Rob taught through Acts chapter 6 and chapter 7, looking at the life of Stephen. How this was a man full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom, But we only get to see a brief snapshot at the end of his life about this fully trained, effective Christian. In Acts 8, we take a look at a man named Philip. And here we get to see three different snapshots, sort of an everyday life of an effective Christian at the early church. And I want to focus in on five main skills or competencies that Philip possesses that make him effective. The first one is that we see Philip preach the word. We see this in verses 4 and 5. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. Effective Christians proclaim the gospel throughout their days, verbally sharing Christ's commands with others. Philip preaches the word in the city of Samaria. Now, preaching the word, I want to break this down into three different categories. First and foremost, preaching the word is not just for pastors. It's not just for preachers. It's not just for teachers. This is for anyone who wants to consider themselves a follower of Christ. Oftentimes, when we hear the word preach or any variation of it, we automatically think about somebody who stands on a stage for 30 minutes on a Sunday morning with an open Bible and preaches. That's not what this is saying. To proclaim Christ simply means to share his truth, share the gospel with somebody. Secondly, when we share the gospel with others, we are to share it both with people who believe the gospel and people who do not believe the gospel. The latter of these is evangelism, as we would call it. 
Evangelism is simply preaching the gospel to those who do not yet know Christ. But we are not exclusively preaching them the gospel. We must be preaching it to each other, as Ephesians 4.25 says, speaking truth into each other's lives and putting aside all falsehood. The third category with preaching the word is we have to preach it to ourselves. This may seem counterintuitive, but in order for us to be changed by the word of God, when we read it, we have to preach it to ourselves. We have to convince ourselves that what we are reading is true, that it actually happened. The Bible is truth. Preach it to yourself. In the spirit of being open and honest with y'all, I have decided to go through each of these things and kind of give myself a grade on how I'm doing with them. Because I want you guys to see I don't have all this mastered. I'm working on it. It's a struggle, but I don't have everything mastered yet. So with preaching the word, I'm pretty good with this. I'd, I'd say I'd give myself a B with it. I'm really good at preaching the word to myself. I'm in my Bible daily, reading the truths of the gospel, being changed by the truth of the gospel. I'm sharing the gospel with a lot of you as I've gotten to know you through many lunches through the course of the school year. And I do promise that I love the the conversations that we have just as much as the food that we eat. (laughs) But as we're having those conversations, Scripture will come up, whether it is you guys asking me something about it or me just saying, hey, let's open our Bibles and look at God's Word together. But the part of this I struggle with is the evangelism. I have a hard time sharing God's truth with those who don't know it. It's uncomfortable for me. So I, I would give myself a B in this category. Secondly, we see Philip pray. More specifically, we see him praying with other believers. Christians pray together for each other and that others would receive Christ. Philip prays with the other apostles as we see them come down to Samaria from Jerusalem. Look at verses 14 and 15. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17 says to pray without ceasing. That's the entirety of the verse. Pray without ceasing. It is that important. Not only are we supposed to be doing constantly, but that's the entire verse, is to pray without ceasing. Earlier this semester, as we've been going through the book of Acts, we looked at Acts chapter 2 in the Fellowship of Believers. Verse 42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. The believers prayed together. They were devoted to praying together. This is something that I kind of struggle with. Me falling more on the intellectual side of the scale than the emotional side of the scale. It's hard for me to wrap my head around sharing my thoughts with a God who knows them already. I don't like doing things repetitively. So if God already knows all my thoughts, my feelings, my actions, my past, my present, my future, why do I need to share those things with him? See, that's not the point of prayer. The point isn't for us to tell God stuff that we think he doesn't know. He knows everything. 
The point of prayer is to grow our faith in him and receive guidance and instruction from him that he might give us discernment as to what his will for our life is. Recently, I was uh, talking with a pastor friend of mine from back home and shared with him this struggle that my, my prayer life just isn't what it needs to be. He said, well, what do you do on your drive into work? I said, well, I listen to music. Get those Jesus jams pumping. Get that worship going. He said, what if, what if you just didn't listen to music? What if you prayed instead? And at first I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You, you're telling me you want me to be the person who drives down the road with no sound on in the car? Nothing? What? I can't do that. Tried it the day after he, he told me about that. I was like, all right, God, the music is off. I feel like there's something missing here, but I'm trusting that you're going to fill my mind with stuff to pray about. Sure enough, flooded with thoughts. People, situations, world events, everything just flooding into my brain. Getting able, being able to share those thoughts with God. Saying, God, help me sort through the mess that this is. Give me discernment in my life. Help me to be righteous and pursue righteousness. The third skill that we see Philip, an effective Christian, having is we see Philip being obedient to the urges of the Holy Spirit. We see this specifically in verses 26 and 27, and again in verses 29 and 30, as the angel of the Lord and the Holy Spirit prompt Philip to go and do something, and he obeys. See, he's effective in this because he is obedient to it. But first we have to know what the Holy Spirit's urges are. How can we tell? We have to communicate with God. We have to get to know God's heart. We do this through prayer. Hmm, we just talked about that. We do this through reading our Bible. Huh, that kind of sounds like preaching the word to ourselves. Funny how these things inter interact together. Another way that the Holy Spirit can prompt us is by placing specific people or situations on our hearts. How many of you have been sitting in a restaurant and just feel obligated to go talk to someone for no specific reason? This is another something that I, I struggle with a little bit. For some reason, I haven't figured it out yet, I'll let you know when I do, but for some reason I have a fear of man. I have a fear of what others are going to think of me if I share the gospel with them. These could be people that I know. These could be people I've never met in my life. But for some reason, I'm scared about what they're th going to think of me. This causes me to be disobedient to the urges of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit prompts me to share the gospel with somebody, share a truth with somebody, am I going to listen? Or am I just going to tell them my, my own advice, my own two cents? I need to be better about that. The fourth thing that we see Philip doing is we see Philip helping others understand Scripture. We see this in verse 30 and again in verse 31 and later in verse 35. 
The Ethiopian eunuch asks, how can I understand if unless somebody teaches me? Again in 35, Philip, starting with this scripture, goes through and tells him about the good news of the gospel. Helps the Ethiopian eunuch understand what he is reading. See, similarly to teaching the word, Christians have to help others understand it. It's not enough that we just tell them what it is and leave it at that. We have to let them understand it. See, Philip is skilled at this. He is equipped to do this. And he's making himself available to do this because that is the work that the Lord has for him. So when he is prompted, he is obedient to it. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says that all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. To be built up in Christ, we need the teaching of the Bible. And because it is useful for more than just teaching, we can use it to correct each other. We can use it to train others in righteousness so that they can be complete in Christ. In order to help others understand the Scripture, we have to understand the Scripture ourselves. How do we understand it? Reading our Bible. Preaching the Word to ourselves. And through prayer. Getting to know God and His heart so that we might understand what He is trying to say. I'm more inclined to give myself a higher score on this one. Not out of arrogance or boastfulness, but just saying, God has really blessed me with this, with this skill. He has blessed me with this great memory that for some reason or another, I just remember a lot. And this is super helpful when I'm listening to sermons and reading my Bible because I'm filling my heart and my soul and my mind with the things that are ab- of above. When I'm getting those lunches with you guys and you have a question and you say, what is this saying? I can help you understand that. Again, this is, not being, this is not me being arrogant, saying I have all the answers and I get to give them to you. It's me humbly saying God has blessed me in order to help you. I'm pretty good at helping others understand what they're reading. The last skill that we see Philip possess is we see Philip repeating these four things. That's cheating. That's not a fifth skill. Yeah. We got to do it. <laughs> so often we're inclined to do these things on a weekly basis. Come to church Sunday morning, hear a great message, tell our friends about it, pray about it. Maybe we share the gospel with somebody that day. But we see Philip repeating these things and doing them daily. To be effective as Christians, we have to be doing these daily. In verse 40, It says that Philip continues to go about proclaiming the gospel as he goes from town to town all the way to Caesarea. I'm not good at effectively doing these things on a daily basis. I can do them a few times a week, maybe even six days a week if it's a really good week. But there's always that one time that it comes up and I'm disobedient to it. So I want to look at three reasons why we don't do these things. These are five, if you will, skills and competencies that we all know. We all know these things. 
If we grew up in church, it's things that have been taught to us since preschool, Sunday school. We know these things. Why aren't we doing them? I want to argue that there are three reasons why. We're either unskilled, whether we actually don't or we believe that we don't possess the skill in order to do these things. We're unavailable, meaning we don't allow God to have influence over our schedules, over our time. Or we are just disobedient to them. We know what we're supposed to be doing. We're able to do them. We're available to do them, but we don't. I always like having a visual aid when I teach. I feel it, it helps others understand the things that I'm trying to bring across. And, of course, in this case, a visual aid is no good. <laughs> so I'm going to try and explain it the best I can. But imagine you will, if you will, a chart across the top. You've got unskilled, unavailable, and disobedient. And down the sides, we have each of the first four competencies of an effective Christian. If we are unskilled at any of those four, meaning there's an X in that first box, if we're unskilled at them, we are not going to make ourselves available to do them. We don't want the opportunity to fail, and so we're not going to give ourselves the opportunity to fail. Maybe we are skilled. Maybe we've got that check mark next to praying or preaching the word or helping others understand scripture. But if we are unavailable to do these things, we're not going to be given opportunities for obedience. You can have all the knowledge of the Bible, but if you want it all to yourself and don't allow yourself to be used by God, what good does it do you? Great Commission in Matthew 28 tells us to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them the commands that I have given to you. Maybe we are skilled. Maybe we're available. But if we're disobedient, we're still not being effective. See, all of these cases result in an ineffective Christian lifestyle. All of them. It only takes one thing to go wrong in order for us to be ineffective. How many of you have seen the movie It's a Wonderful Life? Show of hands? Yeah, gotcha. So yeah, It's a Wonderful Life is a great movie. We look at the character George Bailey, and as he is overcome with the cares of the world, he just wants to be removed from his present situation. And as an angel comes and does so, we get to see a look at everyone influenced by his life and how their life is changed without him. So in the same way, what if Philip is removed from the city of Samaria? What would it look like? If he's unskilled at proclaiming Christ, he's not going to go preach the word. He's not going to make himself available to preach the word. If he's not available to allow Simon the magician to come alongside of him and see the ministry that he is doing, 
Simon will be swayed and led aside by false teaching. What if he's just disobedient? Look at verse 28. Now, an angel of the Lord comes to Philip and says, go down to the road that goes south from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. Nah, it's a desert place. There's no water for my camel. I'm not going to be able to make that. There's no one there. It's a desert. I'm not going to go. Philip doesn't go. The Ethiopian eunuch never hears the gospel. He knows God. He doesn't have a relationship with God because he fails to know God's son. He gets back and instead of successfully sharing the gospel with his queen and with his people, he doesn't understand. He's lost. What if we put ourselves into the story that God has for our lives? Instead of removing ourselves as we've already successfully done, I'd argue. What if we put ourselves into the story? What if we were effective on mission for God on a daily basis? Preaching the word to others, praying together, obeying the commands of the Holy Spirit, helping others understand Scripture, and doing these on a daily basis. What if we did all that? What would the lives of those around us look like? What would the campus of University of South Carolina look like? Where's the desert place that God is calling you to leave the 99 to go find the one? Where's that desert road in your life? If we are either unskilled, unavailable, or disobedient, any one of these three things, or any combination of them, if we are any one of these we won't be able to be effective for the kingdom of God. This is not to say at all that the kingdom of God will fail without us. It does not hinge on us. Praise the Lord. <laughs> as long as God lives, and spoiler alert, it's forever, he will have victory. The book of Revelation tells us that. The Lord has victory in everything. God's will will always be successful. But are you a tool in the hands of the Lord being shaped and refined and used by the Father in order to pursue His will? Or are you inhibiting the Lord from working in your life and working in the lives of those around you through you? As I said earlier, these five things are all things that we know. They're things we've been taught from a young age. We're no, we know that we are supposed to preach the word. We know that we're supposed to pray. We know we have to obey the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to do these things daily and help others. James 4.17 tells us, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. I repeat that. Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin.
Where is the desert place that the Lord is calling you to go? I want you to take some time, three minutes. If you're in a group setting, listening to this, talk with those around you and prayerfully and carefully ask the Lord to grade you on these five things. Ask Him to grade you on the effectiveness of your Christian life. Some of you may be sitting there getting frustrated at at the words that I'm saying. That's good. (laughs) It means that the Holy Spirit is convicting you, saying this message is for you. You are the one being disobedient. You are the one who is unskilled that needs to be skilled. It's not your roommate. (laughs) It's you. I'm the same way. I don't have all the answers. I don't have all these skills mastered. But we've got to work towards it in order to be effective for the ministry of God. If we consider ourselves Christians, Christ followers, we have to be effective on mission for the gospel. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to gather. Lord, even though we are not in person, I pray that you would touch and bless each person in the sound of my voice, Father. Lord, give us the strength and the boldness to be effective for your ministry. Give us your spirit. Make us full of your spirit that we might proclaim you with skill, with availability, with obedience, Lord. Father, I pray as our world is in crisis that you would continue to give the leaders of our world guidance and direction and wisdom. May your kingdom be advanced. Father, it is not our will that we pray for, but it is your will. We pray that people come to you in this time of crisis knowing that you save that you bring healing, that you are merciful. Father, we know that what we are doing is sinful. I pray that you would help convict us when we are faced with these, that we would continue to be obedient, turn from our disobedience, that we would make ourselves available in a time when we have time. Lord, I pray that you would keep us safe, keep us healthy, continue to protect us, Father. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.